how will I say it? Happy Good Friday or a blessed uh, Good Friday. Uh, I'm thankful to the Lord, especially that uh, Angelo was so kind enough to invite me <laughs> to come to your church. But you see, every time I go to a young church, a church plant, this is my life. It's like my heart is always jumping. <laughs> uh, it's, it's good to preach in, in churches, especially when uh, there are big numbers in the congregation. But to be in a church plant, me, is just an affirmation again that the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, after all, is not in vain. And what he promised that he is going to build his church right before your eyes it's being accomplished last week i was uh invited to speak in uh jason jarvis uh church church plant in sacramento and uh, it's just it just give me give me so much joy because as i've said you can really see the hand of God at work. I'm just thinking about this particular part of the ministry in the Philippines where Pastor Ditorio is involved. We started the Tibuli Tribal uh, Ministry in South Cotabato in 2003. And now we have 11 churches in the mountain. And every time you go up to the mountain, Pastor Ditorio is 82 years old, but you cannot outpace him in, in going up in the mountain. He will always be ahead of you. <laughs> you will be catching your breath, but he just, woo. Yeah. But it's not Pastor Ditorio again. It is the Lord. It is the Lord building his church. And the people of God reaping the harvest of what God has accomplished on the cross. And this, this Good Friday, um, we have to remember again what God has done to our lives. If you have your Bibles with you, I would like you to open with me in just one verse. But we have to go to uh, several verses in the Gospel of John. But let me read to you John chapter 13, verse one, and then we will pray together. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Let's pray. I'm amazed, Lord. You are pursuing your people wherever they are. And you are using ordinary men like Angelo and the brethren, Lord, to seek after your people in this place. Bringing them together in this young congregation. And I know, God, 
that there is no limit to what you can do in the lives of your people who have learned to obey and go preach Christ. Lord, it is my prayer that as we celebrate that event in your life and ministry on the earth, the apics of your plan of redemption that brought us to become your children, the display of your love, Lord, that exploded on the cross. I pray, Father, that once again, you are going to refresh us with this truth. And you will captivate our hearts again about this love that you have given us, Lord, that the scriptures that we just read says that you love us to the end. Speak to us, Lord Jesus, through your word, and let your spirit bring home the message into our hearts. And glorify your name, Lord Jesus, in our name, in in your precious name, we pray. Amen. In that day, Friday, that's how we, I, I doubt if it's real Friday. Uh, Jesus was hanging on the cross and to me, two things need to be uh, seen as significant that happened during that day. On the one hand, you can see the display of the of the love of God for the for the world who sin against Him. But on the other hand, also is the display of the apics of the wickedness of man that rejects the love of God that in fact causes the nail to pierce the hand and the feet of the Lord and, and, and brings agony and suffering to the Lord Jesus. The world rejecting Showing how evil it is before this awesome, gracious, loving God that offers himself. Every Christian always memorized John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. To many, this text, John 3.16, they will not only say that this is the, the central message of the Bible, but actually, Many people will be saying that 
in this text, John 3.16, the Lord shows how important man is, how precious man is, that he is willing to give up his son. So that if ever somebody believes him, that man will not perish but have eternal life. I've been a Christian since 1977, and that was actually what I understood before. That John 16 is making the most of man. But then you, you, you grow in the understanding of the doctrines of grace, and you see that John 16 is not really about the man, but it makes the most about this God who loves us. So, we will, we will follow through how John the Apostle actually, inspired by the Spirit of God, shows us about the, the truths of this love of God that never fails in spite of. Um, one more thing, by the way, because I might forget this. The word so here, for God so loved the world. I still can remember my preaching that the word so is actually referring to the immeasurable love of God for sinners. But the word so is actually literally to be translated as in this manner. It's not about the magnitude of God's love, but the manner God shows His love. So, if we can correct that, then it will help us to understand how the Apostle John looked into what he said about this word world. I remember I it was shocking to me because it was from Angelo that I heard when he first went to the Philippines that he preached this word world and said this comes from the Greek word kosmos and has nothing to do ultimately or absolutely only of man, but it is actually referring to the systematic order of evil. I will never forget that, Angelo. And it really has made me think because there was even a time that I thought I am I am an evangelist raised by God in the Philippines. So when I preach, I will always be telling the people, for God so loved the world. And this word world, you can change it to your name. For God so loved Nilo that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, that 
if Nilo believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. But then you look at verse 17, for God did not send the son into Nilo to judge Nilo. If you transpose the name Nilo to the word world, you'll have a problem. You'll have a problem. But please, let me bring you to how John the Apostle shows us about what he understood of this word world and the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In John chapter 1, this is the kind of world that the father sent his son. Verse 29, the next day, he saw Jesus coming to him and, behold, uh, uh, and said, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Now take note that John the Apostle writing what John the Baptist exclaimed when Jesus was approaching him, John the Apostle wrote that John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin, singular, the sin of the world. He did not say the sins, plural, the world. But the sin of the world. Understandably, the statement gives us the holistic description of the world. It is the world of sin. It is the world of sin. In fact, the same writer. In 1 John chapter 5, he simply said, 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, We know that we are of God, and that the whole world, the whole world, lies in the power of the evil one. It is a sinful world. There is no space. There is no gap. There is no inch that sin has not affected the whole world. And that includes every human being. For every man is born native to sin. The whole world is under the power of the evil one. When the Lord Jesus started his ministry, he, he, say, he said this in John chapter 8. Then Jesus, verse 12, John 8, 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. 
He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, just hold on to that, because there is another text that actually said a more clearer truth related to verse 12, which is actually in John chapter 12, and it's verse uh, 46. Again, the Lord Jesus, I have come as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. So, it seems that through the word of the Lord, we can say that God, looking at the world, is actually saying that the world is dark. It is in total darkness that He even said, they that believes in me will not remain in the darkness. So this is a sinful world. This is a world that is so dark. And yet men, when they were, they are born into this world, they thought that the darkness is already the light. When in fact, when our eyes were opened, it is not really light but darkness. And yet nobody understands. Nobody knows that it is darkness. I have a good illustration. Uh, my, my son, Keith, when he was doing uh, an internship uh, in medicine, they were given families to take care of in one village. Ten families. So they have to run all blood tests. They have to take all medical data of the whole family. And one time he went home and he told me, you know, you know, Papa, most of the men in that village under my care, they do not know that they were sick. It's only then when we run the different tests that they realize that they are very sick. In fact, the people during the time of the Lord Jesus, and even until now, never know that they are in darkness, not until the Lord Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The implication is, I, Jesus have come, bringing light so that the world be lightened. And yet, so God so loved the world, and this is a sinful world, a world under the sway of the evil one, the world that is so dark. This is the world where the Father sent the Son. Now what is the reaction of the world to the Son? Let's go back again to John chapter 1. So the Son sent by the Father
Look at verse 9. John chapter 1 verse 9. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. So the one sent into the world is no foreigner to the world. In fact, he is the creator of the world. Because the scripture says that the world was made through him. He was in the world. But look at the response of the world to his creator who came as light. The world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. You go down, look at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So he came as light of the world. He came as one, the, uh, the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. He, he, the Word became flesh. He came to provide what the sinful, darkened, satanically controlled world needed to be redeemed. The world hated the light. You go back in John chapter 3. You can see the response that the world gave to Christ when he came. John chapter 3 verse 19. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. The light has come into the world. But what was the attitude of men? Men love the darkness rather than the light. Instead of embracing the light, Men say no to the light. Rejected the light. Fought against the light. And the epics of this God-hating, God-rejecting, sin-loving world was to crucify Christ. Was to crucify now, now, to me, 
this becomes a, a very big question. The Bible says God so loved the world. But the world did not welcome his love. The world did not receive with open hands the love of God displayed in Christ. The world instead rejected the love of God. So the question now is, what has become of the love of God? Will the love of God be rendered useless? Will the love of God be wasted? Because men rejects it. Will the love of God be rendered of no effect? Will it fail to accomplish God's purpose? No one is righteous, no, not one. The question will be, with all the strength of man to run away, Jack, say no to the love of God, what will become of his love? It's this is a question that bugs me for a long time. And the answer is in John 13, verse 1. John the Apostle, he wrote, just Less than 24 hours that the Lord Jesus will be crucified. The testimony of God's word says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, now listen carefully, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Having loved his own who were in the world. Now let me go back again. John 16, for God so loved the world. But the whole world, in lump sum, rejected Christ. Will the love of God be wasted? The answer to that is no. Because there is this love of God that is purposive. There is this sovereign display of the love of God that is directed toward a people he called his own who were in the world. In fact, even those whom he said his own, 
that were in the world rejects him too. They did not come to Christ with open hands, no. The Spirit had to work in their hearts so that they will come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Amazing thing to me is that this love of God for His own who were in the world can never be denied nor wasted. And the very reason why He died on the cross, though His blood spilt on the cross is more than sufficient for all sinners to wash away their sin. But because of this rejection against Christ, this love of God shown on the cross is specifically is now given toward His very own people. Goes John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Beginning verse 11 down to verse 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is, not a hired, he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me even as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And listen, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I know my own even before the Come to him believing. He already called them my own. He already called them my own sheep. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 16. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice. And they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. He is not giving his life as for anybody, as if he is. Boxing the air. And it will be left into the man to decide if he will avail of the benefits of what Christ has accomplished on the cross. If ever that's the issue, then the death of Christ on the cross means nothing and will accomplish nothing. 
but God is sovereign. Amazing. Because every time we go out and preach the gospel, and I can only speak our case in the Philippines, you go to the mountains, you go to the rural area, you go to the city, and the people, they don't welcome you with red carpet welcome. But then, you can see the power of this love of God that is directed to these specific people that he called his own who were in the world. I was sharing um, where I was, when I was preaching at the uh, community Bible at Vallejo. In the morning, it was Angelo who preached, and I preached in the evening. Two years ago, um, we were having an elders meeting in the middle, uh, in the last day of our pastor's conference. And then a pastor came and he said, Pastor Nilo, something is happening downstairs. You need to go. You need to, you need to see what is going on. Well, the pastors were actually gathered in the, in the uh, waiting shed, wait, waiting for the graduation ride to start. We're still having a meeting. What happened is this. One of the graduating students, he cannot contain himself. He said, at last I will graduate. Praise the Lord for his goodness to my life. And then he shared, he said, you know, I could have been dead long time ago. But the Lord was so gracious to me. The Lord was so gracious to me. I was part of the military, the army. And one time while we were having a patrol, we were ambushed by the communists. And he said, four of my companions died. But the Lord graciously spared my life. I could have been one of those who died. And I realized that God loves me. Because shortly after, after that, I got saved. I got saved. And he enrolled in our mobile school. And he is graduating at the time. So they were very excited. And then one of the men, also a graduating student, said, So you were part of that patrol that was ambushed? And... Four men died during this date. And he gave the exact date and the place. <laughs> and he said, how did you know that? Well, I was part of the airborne uh, 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 group that uh, supported you. Another guy in the group said, I know the names of those who died. And he started to mention surgeon. And then he mentioned the names of the four. Were you also in the army? No. I was the commander of the communists that ambushed me. 
And they didn't even know each other. And they just embraced. They just cried in the shoulders as brothers. You see, the love of God will never fail. The love of God, though the world will reject it, though the world will say no to it, but this love can never be denied. Every drop of the blood of Christ on the cross, shed on that very day that now we are celebrating, it is meant for each of those whom he called his own who were in the world. And he loves them to the end. It's so amazing to me that John the Baptist or John the Apostle was able to record the longest prayer of the Lord Jesus before he was crucified. If you go to John chapter 17, let me read to you beginning. Verse 1, Jesus spoke this thing, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Now what hour he was saying that is now, that has now come. It's, it's his crucifixion. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. The Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh. Listen carefully. That to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. It would appear that when the Lord Jesus came into the world, He was given the names of those who is owned, chosen by God the Father, as if telling him, I know the world will hate you. I know the world will reject you. But son, here's the names of the people. He has chosen us in him. Before the foundation of the world. That to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. Let me jump. Verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. Do you hear that? I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. And you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And they received them and truly understood that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. 
And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. Jesus, with a view of the cross, knowing that this hour has come, and he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The writer of the book of Hebrews have captured that. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame. The word spice can also be translated in it. He laughs. He laughs against it. He ridicules it. He endured the cross. Despising the shame. Why? Because he knew that his death on the cross will mean life to his own who were in the world. One of the Early verses I memorized as a believer is Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates His own love toward us. Don't you ever think that the word us refers to all men? No. It refers to believers in Rome. It refers to those people who responded to the preaching of the gospel, the called of the Lord. He demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. In the Philippines, if the Holy Week is already approaching, you will notice that there will be many altars that will be set in the corners of every village. And the people for nine days toward Good Friday, they are going to 
go from the so-called one station to another. To offer up prayers. And you can see many of them, they will be weeping, they will be crying. Why? You ask them. It's not because they saw their sinfulness, but they believe that kawawa, kawawa si Christ. What a, what a terrible life. What sorrow. But the Lord Jesus said, do not cry for me. If you cry, cry for your own selves. It's not about the pain that he experienced. No, it was a sweet smelling aroma of sacrifice of his life that meant for his people to be declared not guilty. Christ, who know no sin, has become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Every time we have, we have a meeting with the missionaries, I always encourage them I always told them it was not until he rose from the dead that he gave the command, go! You will be my witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, uttermost part of the, of the world, uttermost part of the earth. It means that where he sends us, we are assured that we, we will always be victorious. Because he has already finished the work. We just gather the spoil of what he has accomplished on the cross. He demonstrates His own love toward us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You never get tired telling people about Christ. Because you know that on His death on the cross, it was meant to secure the salvation and eternal life of his elect people. Work of missions, we should never depart from that understanding. In Revelation chapter 5, you see the record about what John saw. About the Christ who died. Well, if you, if you look at verse 9 of Revelation chapter 5, John said, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men 
from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. By the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross, when his blood flow, it was not just a horrifying event where blood was spelled. It accomplished the purchasing for God with his blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And sometimes we're thinking if there is a people that is so hard to be brought to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus, it's the Muslims. But I believe in the statement that the blood of Christ purchased many Muslims. From all tongue and tribe and people and nation. One guy was looking for job in Tagum and uh, Pastor Ruben, our business manager, hired him. He asked him, well, uh, what do you know? What work are you uh, uh, skilled? He said, carpentry. Okay. Can you do some cabinets in my house? He said, yeah, I can do it. So he was working in the house. Pastor Ruben. And we have this we have this principle. Nobody will get out of our house without hearing the gospel. So while this man was doing carpentry work inside the house, Ruben was sharing the gospel. And Ruben reported to me, he said, Pastor Nilo, that guy, he's so silent. He hardly speaks, but he's a good carpenter. He's a good uh, furniture worker. And you know what? I know that as I was sharing the gospel to him, he was in deep conviction. I can see that in his face. So I encouraged him to attend your class next week. So my wife and I, we went to Tagum City, and I, I teach there for, uh, I taught there for three days. And this guy came, and he was seated at the back. So I was teaching the first day, see him just listening to you but devouring everything that he hears. Second day he actually transferred closer to the front and I can see him weeping during the class. The third day is gone, uh, finished and then he said will it be alright if I'm going to enroll and finish the curriculum in a mobile school. I said, yeah, this is just an introduction of it. So, finished all the subjects that we offer. My problem is, I didn't even ask where he is from. What is his background? I was just so happy that he was in my class. He was attending all the classes. 
Last year, Phil Foley went to do the pastor's conference and the graduation, and he was one of the graduates. So after the graduation, he approached me and he said, please give time to visit me in my place. And uh, you cannot say no. Sometimes you think, where is that? Where is your place? Oh, he described it. It's the farthest end of Dabo del Norte. Oh, I'm sorry, Dabo Oriental. Just you take a boat, and it's four hours by boat. You are already in Indonesia. So there was not, there, there's not even a cell site there. So there's no way you can communicate. If something happens to you, you are done. <laughs> but anyway, last December, I went to see him. And it was then I learned he's a Muslim. He's a Muslim. They were from Indonesia. Their family migrated to the Philippines. And many of those people in the community were actually Muslim. And when the Lord saved him, went back to his village and started to share the gospel. Five of his sisters are the very first ones who is in the congregation. So when I went there, he actually have contacted other men. And they came. I ended up teaching for another three days. It was a joy. Now, you think God's blood, what he accomplished on the cross, is not applicable to the Muslim? You're wrong. The blood of Christ shed on the cross is so powerful that it reaches to the men that he, that the Father has given him. He loved them to the end. And God in no way will reduce, reduce His love for you and me. Sometimes we do not feel loved by God, especially when we are experiencing trials. Especially when we are Suffering, especially when confusion, anxiety, and many other things crowd our minds and our hearts, rendering us spiritually dry and, in fact, dying inside. Now, Christ loved us to the very end. He will not give up on any of us. Our victory, we have to remind always ourselves. The cross is now empty because Christ has finished the work. In fact, the last word that the Lord Jesus cried out, it is finished. He did not say, I am finished. It could have been different if he said, I am finished. No, 
He said, it is finished. That's why we can sing songs about the victory. We can sing songs of praise because of the blood of Christ shed for you and me. There is no point of celebrating Good Friday and especially Resurrection Day if you do not believe that the work is already done and Christ, as we sing that song, has paid it all. He loves us and He loves us to the very end. And the testimony of that, the evidence of that, is the cross. Father, thank You or what you have done giving up your son so that we sinners worst of sinners be called your sons and daughters you promised that they who believe the Lord Jesus Christ will not perish but have eternal life. Yes. Without you working in our hearts, God, we could have not responded to the message of the gospel. What a grace, Lord. What a grace that you saved me. You saved us. Thank you so much, Father, for giving us your Son. Lord Jesus, you deserve, Lord, our lives in in loyalty and commitment and devotion to you and you alone. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.